In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, me and my guy Richard Stamen, we are going to discuss the big game tonight. It is the first game of the 2024 NBA Draft scouting calendar, and we have the deep and loaded G League Ignite taking on the Perth Wildcats. So stay tuned to hear our thoughts on this matchup in the first inaugural G League Fall Invitational. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And my co-host, who I mentioned in the opening, Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft. Even though he's wearing a Sacramento King shirt, like, who? Is that De'Aaron Fox? Yeah, you know, I, I had to change it up. It's been a little bit since you pointed out the shirts, and I haven't I haven't gotten a new uh flow stock so I, I had to go back to an old reliable yeah I, I don't i don't buy the shirts just give me the shorts the shorts won't be outdated i made a mistake once so this is a while back i bought an authentic jalen rose chicago bulls jersey so this was 2002 back when jerseys used to hang down to your knees and I bought the the jersey after going to like a Jalen Rose charity event at the United Center. And then I'd say months later, I don't even know if he played another game for the Bulls after that. He was traded. So I was stuck with this authentic jersey. And at the time, I think I was like fresh out of college. So spending like $200 on the jersey was was a big deal. And so I ended up sending it back to Chicago to the place that actually does the Bulls jerseys. And then I got Rose taken off and I have Barlow on the back. So I have like this authentic Chicago Bulls jersey with my with my name on the back. But that was my lesson. Never buying a shirt or jersey of a player because they get traded <laughs> too much. And so I'll just stick to the shorts. But anyway, that's a whole a whole different subject. All right, I want to talk about this matchup tonight, and it is the G League Ignite versus the Perth Wildcats. Perth is from the Australia NBL, and it is a league that has really caught me by surprise this year with the number of players that they've been able to, to get down under NBA prospects. I mean, I can think of at least four guys, maybe even five, that could be potential first-round picks. But um, Alexander Sars playing for Perth. But let's talk about the Ignite. But actually, before we talk about that, what are the chances that this Invitational lives up to what happened last year when we had Scoot versus Victor Wimbayama? Yeah, that was that was an event that'll never be topped. Like that was the peak year one. Um, also, if I'd known you were going to wear a G League Ignite hat, I would have found a way weeks ago to get a Perth Wildcats hat had uh, opposite ends of this but you know i think i think with this game ultimately it's there's several matchups in it that i'm looking forward to especially like in the front court is it going to be the most exciting game like last year was where you have scoot and Wembenyama taking turns taking one-on-ones probably not but i think there are going to be moments of excitement there's a lot of athleticism especially in the front court for both sides and i think that there are even guys that are trying to latch on in the NBA that have already gone through the draft process that I think will make a name for themselves, try, try and pop out. It's going to be a little bit different, though, in that regards, where it's not just those two guys. Well, last year it was 
you know, it was like billed as this matchup between the number one and the number two pick in the 2023 NBA draft. It didn't work out that way. Scoot goes number three. But this year, we could have the number one and number two pick, but they're on the same team. They won't be competing against each other. Now, it's it's really, really early. It's unlike last year where we knew who was going number one. I mean, for some of us, we knew like years in advance that Victor was going number one. This year's draft is wide open, but there are two guys on the Ignite that people do believe that have a, a chance to, to be number one. So I wanted to get your opinion on Maras Bazoulas. Where do you have him? Do you think he is a legit number one pick? And what are your overall thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I have him number two at the moment just because you got that shot creation at what, 6'10", 6'11". It's really hard to deny. Like there's some things that you can easily pick out about his game. I think the lack of strength is really the most obvious, most glaring flaw if he gets to add that strength, fill out his frame, I think that's a really important element for him, especially like on the defensive end and being able to create contact, finish through contact at the rim. But he's not my number one prospect. He's not my number one prospect on the team. Uh, ultimately for him, though, I, I am excited to see some of that shot creation because that shot creation plus size combination is what puts him up at the top. Yeah, I'm still in Dallas right now, but I have a, a flight. I, I will be in, in Vegas shortly. And I have been talking to a few people that are there in Vegas. And one of the first things I heard is that Bazoulas is up to 209 now. I've heard he's put on about 15 pounds and they have him at around 209. Some say, oh, looking at him, he might be about 205. But the common theme is that he has put on some weight and he does look a little bit stronger, still has a ways to go. But that has been the, the common theme. If he is the number one pick this year, what is the reason? Like what popped out? What would be the the swing skill that puts him over the top? Yeah, I think it's going to be that team C six ten. What is he officially like six ten or six eleven? Yeah, I mean we we won't know until the combine. yeah whatever he is, whatever he is, that size, that near seven footer that can create his own shot potentially at all three levels. If the three level scoring looks good in the ignite and he's decently efficient, I think he's going to be the number one pick in that. Like that's what does it for him, right? Is if he's this guy, he's shooting 35 plus percent from three, the free throw percentage is good. And it's enough at the rim that it can sell teams. I think he's, I think he's clear. Yeah, How I mean, likely is that though? I, I don't think it's that likely. Well, I've like especially here. the rim. Sorry to cut you off. I, I've been hearing that he's been getting a lot of on-ball reps with the Ignite as far as just having the ball in his hands and being able to show that he is a playmaker. So they're not necessarily using him as like a spot-up guy. So that's something I'm going to be looking forward to seeing this year. One, just overall, like how they – I mean, just keep all these guys happy. They have quite a few guys on this team that – that I think could be first round picks and just a matter of, can they get the guys to mesh? I think it's a lot of overlapping skill sets. And then at the same time, I, I know Jason Hart wants to win and it's going to be difficult to win when you have such a, a really young team, talented team, but, but really, really young team. All right, let's talk about Ron Holland. So Ron is, I'm, I'm assuming he's your number one. 
unless you have Ethan. Yes. I've, I've actually seen people that have Ethan Almanza like number Same. one. Same. No, I, I am not there yet, uh, but I do have Ron as my number one. And it's not the Dallas bias, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what makes you put Ron over Bazoulas and you know, maybe someone like Justin Networks. What what is it about Ron that that you believe makes him the top pick so far? This really, really early prediction for the 2024 NBA draft. Yeah, I think he's just phenomenal defensively. Uh, I think when you look at what he does in terms of the athleticism and the intelligence and the motor, that combination and the versatility on defense, I, I really do think he's a positionless defender in every positive way in that regard. I also think he's going to be a great athlete at the rim that knows how to use his athleticism functionally. One of my very favorite plays is when he was playing against Tartaria Morris's team, he hit his uh, Duncanville with Anthony Black. They were on the same court together, and and I don't know who he jumped over, but Ron Holland went for a layup, and this is in the RJ Hampton Invitational back around like Thanksgiving or Christmas, oh, one of the two. Yeah. And he straight up, he did a layup, and he cleared the man by jumping over him. And I, I just, I've never seen something like that. And I'm, that's not like the reason I'm number one or anything, but you know, there's so many flashes of him with these crazy finishes at the rim one way or another. I'm all in on that. And I think you'll look the jump shot. I know that's, that's really, I think where the question marks come from for a lot of people. I think it'll come along eventually. I I'm just, I, I think with a work ethic, that's, that's really where he'll celebrate himself. Do you think he has the scoring arsenal and scoring package to be a number one pick? Because usually if a guy is number one, you're talking about like, I don't want to say he, Ron can't score because he he can put the ball in the basket, but you're talking about someone that is, you know, people believe that they have the potential to be the number one scoring option on a team. Maybe Chet is someone that people didn't pencil in as he's going to be the top scorer on a team. But for the most part, you look at guys that win number one, you're thinking franchise score, go-to guy, and, and so on. Do you think Ron has that offensively in his game? Not like a not like the other guys you listed. I, I think at times, I don't think he's gonna be ever your first scoring option, right? Like you look at Palo, right? The same way he came in the league, he's Orlando's number one. It's very clear. Every single possession the first look is going to go to him. Yeah, they have Franz Wagner, whatever. You want to get technical, sure. But the most the the guy that they look for the most to create offense is Powell, and I don't think that's going to be Ron Holland's fate. I think he's going to be a really strong secondary scorer. I don't think he has the moves right now to create his own shot at a super high level, and that's really where he falls short. But at the same time, like if it really, I think for him, it depends on who gets the number one pick. If it's a team with a blank slate, say the Wizards, or something, which they're not like an entirely blank, blank slate, but in terms of franchise-changing talent, I think they are. Ron Holland may not be their guy, but you get somebody like, uh, you know, say Charlotte, right? They got some pieces there where they say, all right, if we get this guy, we feel like we can get over the hump next year. Ron Holland may be that kind of guy. So I think for him, where number one comes in is going to be very situational, but as for him, I think he can fill a lot of different needs and play first, second, third, fourth option as needed. All right, when we return, I want to talk a little bit more in depth about Ron, but I want to talk to you, the listener, about FanDuel because the NFL season is right around the corner and FanDuel has incredible offers. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And right now, if you are a new customer, you can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. 
All customers who bet $5 will get $100 off the NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you will not want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and Locked On. All right, once again, thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And in the next episode, I will be live in Las Vegas with the recap of the first game of the Ignite Fall Invitational. All right, we left off talking about Ron Holland, and Richard mentioned Ron's offense, but he also talked about his defense. And when you say that you think he is a positionless defender, what is it about his his defense that makes him so special? I mean, is it just the athleticism, in your opinion? Is it the instincts? What is it about him as a defender that makes you so high on him enough to where you put him at number one, even though you don't think that offensively he is a number one option? Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of the versatility. It is a lot of instincts. Uh, there's a play I tweeted out about uh, a little bit over a month ago where I, I've never seen such a, a lockdown defensive possession in, in high school, I think in a long time at least, where he the guy tries getting past him, gives a major bump, resets, and does the exact same thing. He tries two or three times and ends up, I believe, blocking him. There's a lot of examples of him just controlling so many different spots of the of the court where he can stop the three-point shot, stop any drives. He really makes offensive players adjust to him, whereas a lot of offensive players try and make the defender adjust to them. It's a little bit flipped on the script, and I think that's just really where Holland separates himself. And then you talk about the length and the athleticism, and again, the intelligence and motor. You have those four just raw tools, if you will, plus just knowing how to use all that combination together. I think it's a really advanced skill. Yeah, the motor is incredible. That's that's the skill set to me that stands out. I am one of the people that believes having a motor is a skill because there are guys that are, I mean, talented. They can score whenever they want to score, but that motor just doesn't run. I mean, there's a few guys, I don't want to mention them, but a few guys that that last year were freshmen, I think that if they had Ron Holland's motor, they would have been a top five pick. And I don't know how you improve your motor. I think you either have it or you don't. I mean, I guess you can prove your effort in spurts, but guys that have great motors, I think we're just born with great motors. I think it's like athleticism. Either you have it or you don't. And Ron's motor, and I've mentioned it before, if, if Ron was a car and you had to describe what type of motor he has, it's like V12 Bugatti. Like it is, I mean, his motor is in, in, incredible. And I think that is on top of, you know, like the physical tools, but I think that's what separates him because he is a, I mean, he is a multi-effort defender. Like me, I'm out of shape, man. I'm, I'm a one-effort defender. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I can't make multiple efforts on a possession. And Ron is the type of guy that can make three, four, five efforts all over, all over the floor on defense. All right. Who is your third prospect on the Ignite. Yeah, that's where it turns to Ethan uh, Almanza. Am I saying that right now? I think it's the third third episode, the third time the charm that we've talked about him. So Ethan, I 
look, I'm excited just to kind of trace it back to Perth too. We saw Alex Starr versus Almansa in the was it the final of the U19? I believe it was the final, right? France, Spain. And yeah, they're pretty familiar with the, with each other. I mean, between right, the and they're both of the night. Or sorry, OTE and yes. France and Spain meeting over years. Yeah, they they know each other pretty well. Yeah, so I'm excited for that with with Hamansa. I just I feel like his intelligence is just off the charts, especially offensively. Defensively, there's still some work I want to see, but uh, it might just be nitpicking. I think he's just a really talented uh, overall modern big, especially if he shoots the three successfully. I'm just going to have to be proven wrong on this one. On the international level, dominant. Like his resume is incredible. Three straight MVPs. What was it? The, the 17s, 18s, and 19s. The production is incredible. But for some reason, my gut feeling is not as high on him as an NBA prospect and for it translating. Now, I still have him as a first-round pick. He's the player that I'm really looking forward to seeing this this over, over the next few days and just throughout the season because I think that he's too small to be a five, and I don't know if he's – like the shooting, I, I don't I don't think he's a four. I think he is a natural five. He's best as a rim roller. Now you can say that he has played the four plan on, on the Spanish national team. He played with with Adaimara. So he has played the four. I don't know if he's a four in the NBA. And I think as a five, he just needs to really get stronger because I think he's just gonna struggle. And I don't think he has the offense. To where you can say, right, he's going to struggle on defense because he's not strong enough. And I don't know if his offense is good enough. So I think he is someone that, I mean, it it may take a while for him because he's going to have to get stronger. He has, it's weird, he has pretty good touch around the rim, but it's like these, these like hook shots and I'm an excellent role man. He, like I said, just a dominant player on, on the international level. But I have a lot of questions and concerns. And, um, yeah, he, I mean, he's someone that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Where do you have him, like, in, in a range as far as, like, your big board or, like, a mock draft? Yeah, I have him specifically at six. I can see him anywhere really four to ten. I, I can six. accept any. Sell me. Sell me on why you think he can be at number six. Because if he goes <laughs> six, that means he's playing the five. A lot of minutes at the five for the Ignite. Yeah, I think for him, it's it's really a lot of these tools that he has, kind of like you said, putting the international, uh, like the way that play style, making it a, a real practical play style in the G League Ignite system, in in the more NBA kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, you know, just that kind of playbook and everything, right? So for me, I think, like you said, in the pick and roll, absolutely phenomenal the the push shot that he uses keeps the defenses honest he has great vision out of the post and i think that's going to help him out of the short roll i think that's going to be huge for him as a connecting piece again defensively there's some areas i want to see get better but overall i think he's he's going to be neutral at least uh in that regard the athleticism's there the rebounding's there the question mark for me is really the jump shot and that's why i could say all the way down to 10 and I think if he can be a stretch five that plays defense at the rim successfully, obviously that's every big man you could say that about. 
But if he does do that and he actually has a realistic chance, I think, to do that, we're looking at a guy that in, in a wild card year, somebody's going to take a chance on him that high. All right, so answer this. Will he be as productive as Leonard Miller was last year? Leonard Miller averaged 16.9 points and 10 rebounds per game. I can't Probably see- not, but it's not. I don't think it'll be because of inefficiency. I think it's going to be because the front court on the G League Ignite is pretty stacked. You got Tyler Smith to Ron Holland, Buzelis, uh, and then Almansa. I mean, that's that's already what four guys right there. So yeah, man. I I if I were a betting man, Eric Mika starts every game at the five. And yeah, and those are just the draft prospects, right? Like there are four of those, and then you got Eric Mika, who's one of the veterans on the team. Yeah, he's hundred percent going to. I just I can't see him eclipsing that. So that's what I'm trying to figure out. Because I, I really don't think NBA teams know how to evaluate the Ignite. Like I said, Leonard Miller, 16 and 10. I think even in summer league, he was at like 15 and 8. And he was definitely better than where he fell in the draft at like number 33. I've, I've, I asked so many different people why did Leonard Miller fall. And some people say, well, some NBA teams thought he was awkward. They, you know, just didn't – you couldn't like – compare him to anybody in the sense because he his game is just so so unique but i mean a guy averaging 16 and 10 falling to the second round we saw the year before where hardy averaged 17 points a game now he only shot like 35 percent from the floor so i feel like those are two guys that nba teams dropped the ball on in the first round and even though like the numbers don't always matter with the ignite because michael foster was productive and then Dyson Daniels went top 10, which to me is still a head scratcher. So with with Almanza, I can't see him putting up Leonard Miller numbers. I can't even see him getting Leonard Miller minutes. And I think it's just going to be hard for him to be a top 10 pick because I don't think he's better than Leonard Miller. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to the efficiency and just how many strong flashes he has, right? Where is he going to get those 10 point quarters kind of thing? And it's all in a flash. Is it going to be 10 point quarters still has it offensively in other areas? How does he beat the counters that defensive defenses provide for him? Uh, and then also just again, how is he going to handle those pick and roll defenses? Cause there were times in the FIBAs, I thought it was pretty sloppy. So I think it's really going to be about just how high his flashes are and what he does to minimize some of those weaknesses. And that and obviously it could be anybody, but especially for Amansa, that is very important this year in a team where the opportunities at his position are minimal, relatively speaking. All right. When we return, I want to talk about Tyler Smith and a guy that you just mentioned, Terry Darlon, London Johnson, uh, Baba Carson. I mean, they have quite a few prospects on the Ignite that I'm looking forward to seeing this week. All right, last segment, Tyler Smith. Tyler is another player that I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how he plays this year. Here's a – here's – man, I don't – I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. I like OTE. I think OTE has done a really good job with, with their guys. Obviously, there's some success stories with the Thompson twins. Don Barlow should have been drafted, and I think NBA evaluators just didn't know what to think of OTE. I like John Montero. I thought that he's played well 
and you know for the Dominican national team. I even read that he played so well in Spain last year that Ephes, which is a powerhouse team that won the EuroLeague a few years ago, is willing to pay his five hundred thousand dollar buyout to to get him on the team, and that's. From everything that I've heard, the reason why John is overseas is because he had a huge buyout that an NBA team wasn't willing to to pay the buyout because really the buyout would be more than what his contract would be on the two-way. But with that being said, I feel like NBA scouts didn't know how to evaluate OTE. And with Tyler Smith, I think he just got forgotten about by going to OTE. I mean, all the promotion was on the Thompson Twins which rightfully so, but Tyler was a top 10 player in his class, in his high school class. He was someone that I think if he took the traditional path, we'd be talking about him as a first-round pick. Goes to OTE, kind of gets lost in, in the shuffle a little bit, and now he's kind of forgotten. But at the same time, that experience with OTE, I think, was beneficial. Obviously, the money... And I, I, mean, I don't know what he was getting, but the money that he got at OTE was more than what he would have received in high school unless he went to one of these prep schools, which, I mean, I've been hearing some guys that are going to states that allow high school players to make money in NIL are making more money than some guys on two ways. But anyway, with that being said, the OTE route just kind of made Tyler forgotten. So he's going to have to really reintroduce himself to a lot of NBA scouts with the Ignite. What are your thoughts on him and, and his game? Yeah, he's one of the guys I haven't seen a ton of, to be just 100% honest, but the, just the raw tools have always really stood out. And like you said, top 10 player in his class, but this is somebody that the raw tools have always popped and he's 6'10", right? Like it, it's just those combinations, again, of raw tools and size have always popped. How practical is it? We don't know. I don't know what that jump is going to look like for him uh, going to the Ignite. I don't know what it, I think he's probably at the bottom of the totem pole at the minutes at, at around his position. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I think what they're going to do, and this is just what I think is going to happen. I think at the beginning of the year, you're going to see a heavy dose of of Buzelis and Holland. And then I think you're going to end up seeing similar to what happened with Scoop. February, you're just going to start seeing any small injury guys are just not going. Those two guys aren't going to play. I think they're just going to play it safe, and it's going to open up minutes for Tyler and some of the other guys later on in the season. Now, the reason I think that is because I just don't know, like, how how much they plan to win. I think they want to win. I don't think a coach, Jason Hart, is like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to play these young guys and I'm okay with losing. I think the competitor to him wants to win, but if he really wants to win, then he's going to have to lean towards the more experienced players, which they have, the closeout games. And then I think, like, if you lean too heavily on the experienced players, then it kind of – hurts what the ignite is all about which is supposed to be about getting these young guys opportunities and minutes because the last thing you want is for someone to recruit against the ignite and say hey man why would you go there they got too many guys you're not going to play but if you go to this power five school 
you are going to play. I mean, I think all of that plays a factor because the the whole purpose of the Ignite is for the young guys to get minutes. And, I mean, their success is not based off of wins and losses. It's based off of the number of draft picks. And even though I feel like teams don't know how to evaluate the Ignite, they have had 10 first-round picks in the last three years. And I think four guys in the top 10? Yeah, four guys in the top 10 with Jalen Green, Jonathan Kuminga, Scoot Henderson, and Dyson Daniels. So, I mean, their track record is good, so they don't necessarily have to win. So I said all that to say this. I think that you're going to see Tyler Smith get minutes. If everything like goes according to plan, I think you're going to start to see his minutes increase in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Well, what what are your thoughts on Terry Darlon? Like I I think he's also going to be brought along slowly because he's coming off an injury. I know that he's I don't know if he's practicing fives right now, but I know he's like working out and and I don't think he's going to play. I'm almost certain he's not going to play. But what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I saw him in the FIBA's. I forget which one it was with Central African Republic. Um it was like the, a first kid. of all. <laughs> He his length pops. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't if if you watch him, just watch any of his shots against a three point shot. He has long arms, and that athleticism I think is going to help him as a slasher. Uh, really, just good burst, jump shot, probably pretty raw at this point, and that's really where I think is going to hold him back in the G League. Is can he be an off ball player as a shooter? That's going to be the big question mark for him. Yeah, I think the touch is there. I think that shooting is going to be one of his one of his strengths. And it was crazy because he is athletic, but his game isn't based off of being athletic. Like he's not one of these guys that's just one speed. He has really good pace to his game, and you just rarely, rarely see like African wings or guards that are NBA prospects. I think a lot of people just when you're looking for talent, Africa. You're like, hey, we can get wings everywhere, but let's go look for this seven-footer that used to play soccer that we could try to turn into an NBA player. So I think he's going to be one of the rare wings. I mean, I think what Luau Dang, um, Kaminga that that came from Africa, that that um, like I guess Siakam in, in a sense. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him play, but I think they're going to bring him along really slowly just because, I mean, he had a nasty injury back in February. All right, let's talk about London Johnson. I think he's someone that is kind of underrated at this point. I thought he had a good year last year, average, I believe, a little under 10 points per game. He played a lot when when Scoot wasn't playing. He got some really good experience. My question is, and my question for you is, do you think he's a on-the-ball player or do you think he's better off the ball? It's like I think a he's better that I've, I've been having with people. I think he's better on the ball. I love his pick and roll. I, I've been a big fan of it. Uh, he was a guy who I watched him. And I'm like, who the hell is London Johnson? I had never seen him before, uh, admittedly. So a little bit ignorant, but kind of played out in his favor. I think I've watched him and, you know, his pick and roll game, not nearly as smooth as Scoot Henderson. There's a reason Scoot was number three in this last draft. But the the pick and roll ability is still really strong, especially like as a pull up shooter. I think he's got that smoothness of knowing when to shoot the ball out after the screens and when they can't get to him. The defense is, you know, being able to be that elite pick and roll playmaker is probably that next step. But given how he kind of just jumped into it mid season, I think I really like him. Uh, I think he's somebody who 
should get top 40 looks in this upcoming draft. I know guards are a dime a dozen, whatever, but I really think he's got a, a place in this league. Yeah. I mean, like the big knock I've heard is that he's just not like an NBA caliber athlete, but I think he has good size. Um, like I said, he was productive, like 10 points a game for a guy that basically should have been in high school. I mean, the one game that I saw him live where he struggled a little bit was against the Legends, but he had to guard Grant Riller. And, I mean, I think everybody's going to struggle with Grant Riller. Grant Riller is just a a, a really, really gifted scorer that um, it's just a shame. I don't think that he's had a real, a real fair shot in the NBA. All right, I want to talk to you about – ask you about Babakar – Sine or Babakar Singh. He's like someone that I don't see many people talking about at all. But from what I've been hearing is that he's been the most impressive player out of this group of rookies on the Ignite. Like, what do you know about him and, and what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, his jump shot. He's He's got a good jumper. Uh, I know – I want to say it was against the South Bay Lakers. It was whoever the, the Ignite played in their very last game of the season. He was doing turnaround jump shots, spotting up. The shot looks good, and he's, what, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, something like that. I think it's a good combination. Like, that alone, I, I don't know a ton. I'll be completely honest. I haven't seen – I haven't break, broken down his game in every way, but I do know that the shot and size combo is there. Yeah, he's a player that came from the – the G League, I'm sorry, not G League, the NBA Academy in Africa. He is from, from from Senegal and got a little bit of experience last year. But, yeah, I mean, he's the one that I've been hearing has been really impressive. All right, the last prospect that I want to talk about, he is from right here in Dallas. He's not eligible for the draft this year, but he is in 2025. I think he's going to be one of the best players in 2025 NBA draft. He is very, very underrated to the point where I've talked to like different agents and scouts that had never even heard of him until he signed with the Ignite. What are your thoughts on Dink Pate? Yeah, I got to see him last year uh, at the circuit. They played Team Thad. So it was him, Jacoby Walter. Uh, there was somebody else on the team and he was going against Caleb Foster and a couple other guys. And he looked really raw. And this was him as a junior, so it's obviously things have changed. But when you look at his size, you watch him and you go, who's that center for them? And then you see him start to dribble the ball. It is really fascinating. He is a he is a jumbo guard. He is one of those jumbo guards we've seen come through. Every few years we get one of these guys. He's not, like you said, he's not eligible this year. I think he'd have a lot more traction if he was for obvious reasons. But he is somebody that, look, if he is able to be more aggressive every single night, I, I think that's really the key to unlocking his upside. I, I just that size and athleticism and that he's able to handle the ball. I think that ability is going to be something that sells so many different teams, especially when, you know, you can debate how much they matter. The one on zero workouts, right? You see him do an open workout. It sells teams. I think he's going to win a lot of teams through there. Yeah. Six, eight point guard. He, has uh he signed a two-year deal so he's actually supposed to be a senior in high school right now but he's playing professional basketball i think he is going to i mean have some real advantages as far as like learning how to be a professional and just the environment he's around 
I'm curious to see the minutes because they brought in two point guards and um, David Stockton and Gennaro Pargo, not Gennaro Pargo, Jeremy Pargo. I get the brothers mixed up. And even though those guys understand that their role is to support the young guys, uh, I'm just interested to see um, like how many reps does he get at the point, considering they also have London Johnson who might be playing the point. And then from everything that I've heard is they're, they're giving Bazoulas a lot of reps with the ball in his hands, but it's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. Well, that wraps up this episode. Once again, I will be in Las Vegas giving a recap after the game, and I will share my thoughts on who stood out, and we'll, we'll talk about Alexander Starr. We didn't really get into too much depth about him in today's episode, but I'm sure that we'll be talking about him in tomorrow's episode. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Richard Stateman, and we are... <laughs>